listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Do you constantly feel overwhelmed with busyness or like your energy is being pulled in 100 different directions? In this episode, I am talking with Greg McEwen. He is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Essentialism. Today, Greg shares a counterculture solution for overcoming the constant pursuit of more that the world is always offering us. If implemented properly, this will lead to greater results and fulfillment in your life and work. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 087. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Greg McEwen about becoming an essentialist. Greg, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Alex, it's so great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. You know what? Actually, right before we jumped on, I was just listening to your voice. So it's interesting to be talking to you because I was listening to What's Essential with Greg McEwen. I want you to talk about your podcast for just a second because I've really enjoyed it. I've been someone that considered myself an essentialist for some time. So it's great to actually hear some stories around it. If you don't mind just mentioning it real quick, I don't usually do this, but I'd like for you to talk about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, for um, that, you know, that shout out for the podcast. Yeah, it's been a delight to do it. Uh, people can just subscribe uh, and and they will be able to understand what you and I are going to talk about today. Right. Uh, but actually, with like application, you know, one of the things that we've done in, differently with the What's Essential podcast is had just sort of everyday people. So sometimes we have celebrities on and so on. But really, the episodes I've liked the most is when I'm working with somebody and just listening to them and talking them through a process of how they can actually design a life. Uh, you know, deliberately rather than by default. And uh, it's been, I've enjoyed so much those, in, you know, individuals and particular people. Um, in fact, now that I'm doing this, I, I'm thinking of a particular episode that just came to mind. You, you, is this, is this okay? Or am I ruining, oh, no, I go for ruining it. I'm ruining your show now. Here. I've probably heard this episode before. So go for it. Well, it was somebody that really touched me. Uh, she, she reached out uh, just having read essentialism, which of course we're going to talk about, but this frames it well too. Uh, she um, she had uh, she read it. She started asking herself a question every day. One powerful question: What's the most important thing I need to do today? And at first, the answers were to do with her business. She runs a small business. She's in those sort of early days where she's doing everything. She's you know, she's doing the accounting, she's doing the sales, she's running this consultancy in the UK. Uh, and so most of the answers were to do with building this business. But then over a few days, weeks of doing this, her answers started to change. Sometimes it was to do with self-care items. The most important thing was to look after the asset that is her. And then one day she gets a call from her dad that says, look, you know, um, I, there's nothing to worry about, but your mother is in hospital again. I just want to let you know you've got way too much on your plate, uh, you know, running your business, but I just wanted you to know about it. And uh, she said she asked the question that day, and suddenly she just said she knew completely that it's like time stood still. She remembers what the weather was like outside, everything. She knew that what she needed to do that day was to leave immediately and drive two hours to the hospital just to see her mother. And she did. Goes and sees her, uh, and she... She says, look, I love you, mom. Mother says the same to her. I have this little moment. Um, and then to everybody's surprise, within one hour of that, she had fallen into a coma and she never recovered from that. So a week later, uh, Joe had the 
uh, unfortunate job of, of turning off the life support machine. And she just said, look, being if I hadn't been an essentialist that day, it would have been a completely different outcome. So that question and this approach, you know, has made such a difference to her. So to me, doing the podcast means meeting people like Joe and 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 being able to share her story with other people who want both to be successful in their businesses, especially in the early days and those challenging times, but without doing it in such a way as that you they ruin their life, they ruin their relationships. Uh, and, and end up with having made a fool's bargain. Well, I'm glad you shared that story. And we're actually going to kind of circle back around to some of that a little bit later in the conversation, but I will also link to it in the show notes. I want to mention that I'm, I'm an essentialist myself. I read this book years ago. Originally, I reread it last week and it made me kind of come back to ground zero again and make some changes. But I'll tell you what sold me on the book. The thing that really made it real for me was actually on the sixth page. You have a diagram that I'm going to link to in the show notes as well. I'll have a picture of it, but I'm going to quickly describe it. It's two circles side by side, and they both have the word energy inside of them. And one of them has little arrows pointing out of, out of it 12 different directions. And then the other one has one arrow, and it's just a long line and arrow. And it, so again, energy being the middle, and then basically the progress that you can make. So energy uh, going in a bunch of different directions versus one straight line and going really far. And as soon as I saw that, I know it was just a, a little picture, and there's nothing fancy about it necessarily, but it sold me on it. And I realized that I have to become this because right now I'm the guy that pulls myself in 12 different directions at all times. So again, thank you for, for this book. And I'm really excited to dive into it because I think it's got a lot of value to listeners today. Yeah. I mean, that image you're describing on page six, it's almost like if you, if you know that and understand that, skip everything else, because that's the heart of it is that you can either do a few things superbly well or many, many things averagely well. You can either have momentum around something that matters, that's going to move the needle, or you can make progress in a million different directions, but just a millimeter of progress. That's really the, the trade-off at the heart of essentialism. And it's one that you know anyone who's either about to start a business or has started a business knows from firsthand experience. The challenge is that you, you, you just have not only too many roles to play, but you also have so many possible strategies you could pursue. Every one of your competitors and any good idea you come across suddenly starts to seem like, oh, I should be doing that too. I should do that as well. And you keep adding and adding and adding, but actually you're not breaking through with anything. And, and so this, this is really sort of the, the entrepreneurial trap of non-essentialism, the opposite of what we're talking about today. Yeah, the way that you put it in the book that really stood out to me is you call it the undisciplined pursuit of more or the disciplined pursuit of less. And those two things right there, those are really, those are a big difference, right? You have to be disciplined if you're going to do less, but it being the right things that you're going to do. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I definitely want to jump into the four main points that you have in the book, what it takes to become an essentialist. And those four parts, just to give an overview, and then we can kind of dive into them. First is essence, explore, eliminate, execute. And before I turn it over to you, I just want to mention that first part there, the, the essence of it. I know that a lot of people, they hear this term essentialism and they, they kind of put it for themselves in their own, their own lives, right? They try to envision themselves being this essentialist. And yes, for the established business owner, they say, this makes sense because I can just sub a lot more things out and I can just focus on the things that are truly essential. However, you kind of already hinted at this, but the entrepreneur that's just getting started, maybe they have a, a side hustle or a startup, myself even, I have Podmatch. And I'll use myself as an example in this. I'm the accountant. I'm the marketer, I'm the salesperson, I'm the guy who takes care of all the customer questions that come in. Is this really for everybody? I guess this is probably the best way to frame this question. Well, 
I mean, the, the, well, the answer is my position on that is yes, it is a hundred percent for everyone. That the, I have yet to meet anybody who I do not think, um, well, ought to be an essentialist, mm-hmm. uh, because first of all, the the alternative starts to feel so ludicrous because the alternative to being an essentialist is being a non-essentialist. A non-essentialist is someone, as you mentioned, the undisciplined pursuit of more. They're going to try and do everything for everyone all the time on the basis that if they do, they're going to get all the results they want. They're going to get everything that they want. And in a hustle culture, you can easily start to buy into that. You don't even question that. If you just do it all, you're going to get it all. And the problem is that my experience with that, and now you know, twenty years of working with with leaders, with entrepreneurs, is that it doesn't give you what it says on the packaging. It doesn't fulfill its promise. When you try to do every everything for everyone, what you get is, uh, you know, stretched too thin. You get uh, busy, but not productive. You start to live your days where, you know, your schedule is um, is just hijacked constantly by other people's agenda for you, and so you can get to a position where you, you both the quality of your life and the quality of your results both go down. And so my position isn't that you need to. Um, somehow pretend that you can say no to everyone and everything and somehow that's going to produce success. Uh, that would be a different book. That would be like a book called Noism or something. <laughs> right. You know? And I'm not advocating for Noism. Right. I'm advocating for the, the, the pursuit of what is essential and the eliminating or delegating of the non-essential so that you can break through to the highest point of contribution that you can. And the sooner that you can do that as an entrepreneur, the better. Uh, if, you, if you're just trying to do everything all the time and it's all on you and that you're doing what all of your competitors are doing, you will become indistinct and exhausted. Well, I don't think that's a great, you know, that's, that's not going to get you on the cover of Forbes, right? You know, like, that's, <laughs> right. It, you know. And, 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 so, and so, yes, I strongly advocate that essentialism is for everybody, especially entrepreneurs, and especially entrepreneurs in the early stages of their, uh, of their startup. You know, the first time I read this, and when I initially decided I was an essentialist myself, I was in a corporate nine to five job. And I made some changes. I, I happened to be at management at that point, and I was able to actually delegate some things. And, and it worked really well for me, it helped me get promoted over the years and, and move into better positions. And it seems that now that I reread this book over this last week, just to kind of refresh, since I've been an entrepreneur, I've moved on from from corporate life. I'm full time startup with Podmatch, and I realize that I've slipped away from some of these things and I've fallen into the trap of all these other entrepreneurs are doing this. I should probably do that too, and this, and this, and this. And sometimes they're good things, but the majority of the time, I'm just moving into all these different things and stretching myself so thin. And the only solution is to give up more sleep and more time to the business, less time with my wife, less time with my friends. And so reading this again has been even more helpful. And I think that your book is probably more relevant in today's world than it was even when you initially released it because of how many directions we're getting pulled now. Yeah, I do think there's something about COVID and its, um, and its uh, effect on people that essentialism seems to have jumped in its relevancy. I mean, literally at the time of our conversation, 
as, this is a very sort of inside baseball answer, but like essentialism is literally the number one time, book on, on number one and number two on time uh, on the time management stuff on Amazon. And it like suddenly it's like, I mean, this has been almost seven years since essentialism came out. It's very unusual uh, for, for a book to do that and to still not, not just even maintain its, its, its appeal, but increase over time. And I don't take any, I have no sort of, um, there's no arrogance in me about that. I don't think it's because I wrote a great book. I think it's because it addresses a great problem. And it's one, the problem is getting greater. When you have people trying to run a business, you know, they've got some children at home too. I mean, those children are homeschooled or you're just not sure whether they're going to school or not. You're trying to do everything through Zoom and you're trying to change your whole business. Maybe you've had a big, maybe you've had to completely either start a new business or you've had to completely pivot how your business works and create an online version of what your service was before and so on. 2020 was a, you know, whatever people's overwhelmed before is one standard deviation greater now. Of course, yeah. And so I do think essentialism seems to have had the power of relevancy, uh, and uh, and 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 I think it's an alternative path. If somebody listening to this is highly capable, but they feel like they're running out of space, essentialism is part of an answer. It's something that can that can give you a different approach. That by being much more selective you can still break through to the next level by doing less but better you can actually break through i love that and, and congratulations on the book being back up at the top charts and everything like that that's so cool to to hear and, and yeah it's because of what, what's happening in the world and how it's changed we'll get right back to today's episode but first can you do two things for me First, if you're enjoying this episode, please share it on your social media or share it directly with somebody that you know that would also benefit from listening. Secondly, please visit creatingabrand.com slash free to join the Creating a Brand Inner Circle. This is where I share exclusive content, including online courses, how-to videos, and other resources focused on helping entrepreneurs go further faster. By doing these two things, you are helping me reach and serve more people. So thank you in advance for your support. And now let's get back to today's episode. What I want to do today is make sure that we do anything we can to really help the listeners today figure out how they can become an essentialist. Obviously, I'm going to call them to get the book. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. But I really want to go through these different these different parts of your book and, and really help them understand that if you're all right with diving into each of them. Yeah, perfect. Cool. So we kind of talked about the essence side of it. The next thing is the, the explore part. Exploring what's essential um, means that you have to create space to figure out what matters. Uh, and it means that instead of just getting sucked into an endless email all day long, like the first thing you do in the morning is email. The last thing you do at night is email and everything in between is the same, right? That sort of living out of your inbox is the way of the non-essentialist. Um, you can do the same now with a zoom to, you know, just endless zoom meetings, same problem, you know, eat, sleep, zoom repeat you know it's, uh, it's or even maybe the other opposite is a zoom eat sleep repeat I mean, right just, you should make a t-shirt for that i like that one <laughs> and uh yeah we should that's a good idea uh the, the you know that's that's the default programming so you don't most entrepreneurs don't say 
okay, I've got two options. I can either do email and Zoom all day long endlessly, nothing else. Look at my Fitbit at the end of the day and find that it says 300 steps. Like that's what I'm choosing over something alternative. No, they just think that's what entrepreneurship is. That's what it is. It's 24-7 hustle. Uh, it's... Uh, and, and it's this kind of lifestyle we're describing. It, what, what an essentialist understands is that you, by creating space to figure out what is essential, you can make, you will discover things that are so much more valuable than just, just doing constantly by being sort of in a frazzled, frenetic pace all the time. Uh, if you can create space on your calendar, you know, to, to just even to ask the question we talked about from Joe every day, what's the most important thing I need to do today? I mean, actually print that up and, and, and put it up so that you can, that you can keep coming back to that question. Even that alone is important because priority is the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s and it was singular. Um, you know, that this, it meant the priorest thing, one thing, first thing, and for 500 years, it stayed singular. And so only in the Industrial Revolution, the beginning of a sort of entrepreneurship era, somebody said, I know, somebody caught up in the hustle calls, you said, I know what we'll do. We'll just have many, many, many priorities. That will solve it. And, and, and yet sometimes we really do. I, I mean, you feel that where you have 38 priorities. And when do they all have to be done? Yesterday. And this is... The, and now I get that sensation. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I run my own business. I get that sensation. But if you don't take a moment to pause and get clear, once a day, once a week, once a quarter, once a year, right? That, in, that, that cadence, what's the most important thing I need to do today? What's the most important thing I need to do this week? And so on, this quarter, this year. It doesn't mean you don't do other things. It doesn't mean you don't want to accomplish other things. Of course you do. But it means that you can, it means you don't get to the end of the day, week, quarter, year, and find that the most important thing actually got put on the back burner and didn't get done. That's the problem that you solve. If doing the most important thing is disproportionately valuable, the most important thing, once you figure it out, will change every other thing, either making everything else easier or irrelevant uh, or just, just, just produce other great results. That's how much power there is in finding the most essential thing to do in your business. I couldn't agree more. You actually have a quote on page 101 that I really like, and it's the highest priority is to protect our ability to prioritize. And I think that that is so true. We have to actually decide, okay, what is that, that one thing I need to do today that is the most important thing to get done and do it. And I find that often... Entrepreneurs, I've been guilty of this too. We, we get into the hustle way too quick. We're like, I'll just spend an hour in my email to start off the day. And next thing you know, you're fatigued. And it's like that, that big task, the most important thing just gets pushed off further and further. And I've seen that happen time and time again. So this second part of the book is to, to really explore and to decide what those things are. And then it goes right into the third part, which is to eliminate, if you can talk about that. Well, it's, it's easier to figure out what's essential, I would say, than it is to... To, to even recognize the need for eliminating the non-essential. You know, sometimes people will have little planning meetings and they figure out, okay, this is what needs to be done. But then they still just try and do everything anyway. And what the eliminate section says is, is look, if it's, 
If it's not a clear yes, it becomes a clear no. You're trying to identify the I call the 90% rule. So you say, what is a 90% or above yes for me? Something that's clearly very important. If I do this thing, it moves the needle. But that means also that anything below that 90% threshold is questioned or eliminated. You don't just say, but I'm going to do everything else for sure as well. You, you at least consider these items. You say, look, and the reason you consider them and, and weigh them up is because every time you say yes to something that's 80%, 70 60% important, every time you say yes to something that's totally non-essential, trivial down at the 10% level, you are actually stealing it from the 90% activities. And, and that's, the, that's one of the big breakthroughs between a non-essentialist to an essentialist is that you discover, acknowledge, and even celebrate trade-offs. The idea that if you say yes to one thing, you are by definition saying no to many others. And it's to try to do that really deliberately, exploring what's essential so you can say yes to it, eliminating what's non-essential so that you can say no to it, including saying no to whole categories of customers, for example, whole categories of service, whole categories of products. Just because your competitor does it isn't a good enough reason to do it. Just because a customer wants it is not a good enough reason to do it. That's suddenly this very empowering thing where you say, look, we're not going to be everything to everyone. We just want to do I mean, the, the, those few things that make us distinctive, that we feel like we're great at, that we could even be the best in the world at. And, and, and these are the things that we can actually bring to market and be superb in. On a personal level, this is where I'm kind of re-becoming an, an essentialist again, right? As we've talked about, between part three and part four, eliminate and execute is where I'm currently stuck. And I'm like working through it right now. But one of the things in, in your book that really stood out to me in this section was you called it uncommit, win big by cutting your losses. Do you mind speaking to that for a minute? Because I think that many of us, maybe pride gets in the way. And, and I've held on to things for too long because I, it was mine. And I told people I was going to do it, but it just wasn't working. And I like to think that I've, I've kind of overcome that for the most part, but I think a lot of people get stuck here. So I'd be valuable to, to mention for a moment. So, so let's just use a, a metaphor for this. If, if you had that experience where you're going to decide to clear out your closet, it's a bit of a mess, you, you, you know, and you say, okay, I've had it. I'm going in there. And you take an item off the shelf or off the floor or wherever it is, right? And you, and you go, right. you, you look at this item and you, you think, you, you, your point is, I'm going to give this away, right? I'm going to get rid of this, throw it away, give it away. But in the act of considering whether you're going to, you sort of look at it and you're like, well, suddenly, you know, well, I could use this in the future somewhere. I mean, I could wear this again. It's possible. I could fit it again. Or, I, you know, it's not that bad in shape. And maybe I'll need it for scrubs here. Or that. And, you, and suddenly that item goes back on the shelf. You, you keep it, even though your intent had been to get rid of it. What's happening there is, is something called the endowment effect. And the endowment effect is a brain heuristic. It's a specific thing in the brain that says that, um, that you value something more because you own it. That ownership increases your sense of valuing a thing. And it's also true for the other commitments in our lives. If we own it, we value it more. That's perfectly positive. It's why nobody in the history of the whole world has washed their own rental car. 
You know, if you don't own it, you don't <laughs> right. care about it. Somebody else's problems. Owning has a good positive effect upon people. However, there's a downside, which is that what if you need to get rid of something in the very moment of considering to get rid of it, you value it higher than its actual worth to you because you're particularly aware of your ownership in two moments when you buy it and when you get rid of it. That's the, the two points you, you really sense ownership. And so the, the, this is, of course, not about closets I'm referencing. I'm talking about entrepreneurial commitments projects, initiatives that you started, you've spent money on it, you've put time into it, it isn't going where you want it to go, and you think, oh, double down effort. You're just going to put more into this, invest more in it, and we're going to keep going on it. And in this way, we can I mean, think about all these, these, these businesses on Shark Tank that we've seen, right? And I just think about this idea of, like, take that idea to the shed and kill it. That, uh, that sometimes the wonderful comes up with, right? right. And, and, and sometimes I think that's true that we have our own sort of zombie projects. Maybe the whole business, sometimes it could be that the whole business we're in is the wrong business and that, that we're just doing it the hard way. But it, even if it's just that we have taken a particular approach, to be honest, this isn't really working. Let's reevaluate, let's reconsider, let's do this in a, in a different way. In a, in a different way, let's or, or let's kill that whole project. Let's kill that product. We don't have to have it. It's the the liberty that comes from that when you start to discover. And here's how you get to that: the the way to trick your mind to get out of the endowment effect is you say, if I were starting this product now, if I'd never been in this business, but knowing what I know now, would I start today? to do this thing or would I, you know, you know, never even do it. That helps you to discern whether this is something you ought to be in the business of or whether you should let it go and feel that all those resources come back to you, all that mental space to be able to go after something that actually today you feel would be the right next step. Greg, that's some powerful stuff right there. I, I think that that's, that's so important. I thought I'm thinking back right now to it's about five years ago, I started a web design agency thinking that's what I wanted to do. And about six months later, after having some clients, I shut the whole thing down. And yes, I was making money, but I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And now thinking about that, if I was in it and asked myself, would I get into this today if I was just starting? That's a powerful way to, to really evaluate this, this eliminate part of your, of your book of being an essentialist. So thank you for covering that. And oh, and a fun fact here, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I think it's called uh, Turo is what it's called. And it's like a rental car company, but you rent other people's vehicles, kind of like mm -hmm. an Airbnb type of thing. Mm -hmm. But they expect, some of them expect you to clean it afterwards. I cleaned it one time and then I deleted the app and I've not been back because I was like, I don't, I'm not cleaning this, you know, like <laughs> this isn't my car. So that was the one break of the rule that you just had there. And I, sorry, I had to share that because that came in my mind. Yeah, it's, it, it really is part of the value proposition of renting, I think, is that is that you're, you know, you're, you're saying, look, this is now your problem. I don't have to deal with it. And, uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this. I mean, I'll tell you the thing that's really on my mind as I was sharing that is we were talking about eliminating, right. And that, and, and how to get yourself into that mindset to let go of something you have already committed to already invested in. But there's something else that I was just on the edge of. And I think it's because because I just finished a new book called Effortless, that my head is there. But it's like sometimes the answer is to quit something, right? Just like stop that thing, kill that zombie project, kill that 
that, that, that zombie service that you really ought not to be in the business of anyway. Free yourself of those resources. That, that's, this is, this is. But the, there's this other thing, which is like, if you're pushing hard, harder and harder, sometimes A-type personalities will push even harder when they don't see the results. They'll go, well, look, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but if I really kill myself on this, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to get the results. And, and you can end up being in this position of sort of pushing a boulder up the hill and, and heaving and you're making hardly any progress. And then what you really need to be doing is just change, like changing the game and saying and asking this really great question, I think, which is, look, is there, is there an easier way to do this? Is there an effortless way to get this result that I want to get? Because I think most of us have been taught that if you want to have great results, you simply have to work harder than everyone else. And, and if, you're, if someone's lazy and they are not moving and they're just talking about stuff and never doing anything, of course, that's the right thing to do. You've got to get up and do stuff. You've got to make things happen. But having been rewarded for that, approach we then sometimes think it's just always the answer and then we get it's not working but we go well but but that's just because i haven't put enough in now it's another form of sunk cost bias where it's just more effort after more effort after more effort this idea of yeah but can you push a could you push a rock downhill you're like could we just change this game i came across a great uh, um story in in my research for effortless of of an entrepreneur who had been trying to, I think they were trying to, I think they were trying to sell books, I think. And, uh, oh no, to, no, here's what it was. They were trying to create toys and they were trying to take them to, to the toy companies. And everybody said, you know, just, just no success. Years of this, or this idea, that idea. And finally, they, they were talking to a mentor who said, look, no toy manufacturer actually wants your ideas. That is not what they're interested in. You are pushing the rock up the hill. You're doing this the hard way. You're making this so much harder than it needs to be. Is that what you ought to be doing because of this one idea you have is that you should think about what you're doing as book publishing and you should publish these uh, 52 packs, like like idea packs. Uh, and these are like for kids where where they, uh, you know, 52 ideas of what you can do on a rainy day, 52 ideas for this or that. And she sold 5 million units of that, like almost instantly. It was this, this total transformation. She didn't get breakthrough results by breaking herself. She got breakthrough results by breaking with her effort-filled mindset. So when you want to accomplish something, remember there are two paths. You can take the work harder path, or you can say, what's the easier path? And my experience is that many otherwise overachievers think there's only one path, the first. And they just don't even know, they don't even ask the question, is there an easier way to do this? That's such a good point. I, I love that. I think that for me, that's always come in the form of mentorship, people in my life to, to give me a different perspective. I can tend to get on that one track mind at times saying, this is what I have to do. And it takes somebody who's usually a lot wiser than me, a little further along, right? To be like, well, Alex, have you thought about this way? And it's like, oh, that's that's a lot easier. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that point. And that, that book I'm really looking forward to, Effortless, is the tagline, make it easy to do what matters, right? It's make it easier to do what matters most. Love it. Cool. Looking forward to that. 
So moving along to the, the fourth and final part here, execute. I'd like to talk about this a little bit because this is kind of where it all happens, right? Right. And in fact, this is a nice transition to just talk about effortless because because really the, the, this, this final element of essentialism is to make execution as effortless as possible. And this is re- the reason I, I followed up essentialism with another book. The reason I finally did that is because, frankly, I felt like a lot of people read essentialism, they get the idea of it, they even start implementing it, but it's almost like either they don't read the final section, which is totally plausible because how people, you know, normally read books. <laughs> right. <laughs> but also it could be that even if they have, they still are so clearly framed between that this book is about essential versus non-essential that they didn't realize that there was a second mindset shift mindset shift I was trying to, to to write about and teach about. And that is this difference between forcing it effort-filled execution versus effortless execution there is this alternative approach and it's so different than our culture of, of you know i'm repeating myself here now to just this 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 if you're not exhausted you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. uh, you know people that that i just i just really wanted to lean into this the the idea is that you you want to make doing what's essential the easiest thing that you possibly can so that you can do it. And you need to build systems into your life, routines into your life. Uh, Finding mentors is a perfect illustration of of how you can make your path easier, learning the best of what other people know. Uh, Your your job is, is not to get it done by pure willpower, stay up all night, uh, burn yourself out. Well, that's one approach. Uh, the alternative is that you build a system that then works for you. I mean, there's a section that I didn't have in, in Essentialism. I just hadn't written it. But it's the, it's probably my favorite thing in Effortless that that I didn't cover at all in Essentialism. And it, and it's, it's, it's the final section of Effortless as well. So I really have this dread that no one's going to hear it again. <laughs> I'll at least hear it. I'll have you back on the show and you can share it here on the show, right? <laughs> it's just to do with the idea of effortless results. That, that there's two, think about this as an entrepreneur, man. This is tr- so true what I'm trying to say here. As an, there are two kinds of results. There is linear results and there's residual results. Right. Linear results is you do it once you get paid once. Right. Every single person who's in a job is 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 getting linear linear income. Right. And we know residual income is completely different. That is whether you, you know, whether you're sleeping, whether you're, you know, you're out on vacation, you're still getting paid because the systems are set up. But as I I mean, I've been familiar with that idea for 20 years, but as I researched this for effortless and 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 thought about how it applied to essentialism, all of that. So I'm trying to answer the same question still here. I was just amazed at what percentage of my time was still spent in linear work, was still spent in work that that I have to still get up in the morning and do it. So I feel like I had basically created my dream job. And that is true. I really had done that. But I just happened to have built a linear dream job. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Uh, this is it's like the difference between producing a result you get paid once for, even if you're paid a lot for it, is so different than building something that works in perpetuity. So I'll give you an example of this, although it seems a little weird moment to bring it up, but it, but I, I did just launch 
a new 21 day challenge, right? Where you can, where the people that read essentially say, oh, where do I start? And I've answered that in lots of ways. And finally, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to create a course that answers this question. It's a 21 day challenge. It's got a video per day. You get an email each day helping you to, you know, bring you back on track. And uh, it, it's essentialism.com, right? So like go there, you can do it. I, I, I was just so thrilled to begin what we've started there because it's like this whole shift towards, uh, towards a residual way of having an impact. So there's the residual income, which of course is of interest to every entrepreneur, but also there's another concept I love, which is, which is residual goodness. That, that if you design systems to, act, to operate in perpetuity, then you can have the impact that you desire to have whether you're sleeping or not. And that matters to me. I, I never get tired of the idea and the experience that people all over the world, literally right now, people are reading essentialism. They're discovering essentialism. That is happening. That is a fact. That's not going away. That's amazing. I, I literally, I mean, I could die young and that would still continue. That's amazing to me. That just is so thrilling to me that people, you know, that, and, and, and that, that's part of what I think entrepreneurs have the opportunity to, be a part of, build systems into their lives that produce effortless, perpetual results. I think that's just so powerful that we have to be thinking about these these systems. And it takes some some review, as you're saying, I appreciate you being so transparent. Like you've had to come back to this yourself even. And, and I'm talking about my second time going through essentialism and, and revisiting that and creating these systems for myself once again. It takes evaluation. It takes intentionality. It's something that if we do, though, we begin living life in a different way and we start bringing in a different form of income for ourselves, even if it's just income of our time that we're getting back or our happiness we're getting back. So I'm really glad you covered that, Greg. I think that was really important. This has been a really fun conversation. I definitely want to make sure that we get everything we can from you today. So do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? I mean, I think that one thing I would just leave everybody on is, is a simple acronym that I think works for, you know, speaks to me as an entrepreneur and it's the acronym of WIN, right? WIN. And uh, WIN is what's important now. Uh, that, that to me is essentialism at the cutting edge of execution. It's like you, you, you don't want to be thinking about errors in the past. You don't want to be all worried about the future. You want to be in this moment, what's important now, uh, and, and focus on that. The, the day after COVID happened, right, a third of the earth was suddenly at home. And for me, it, immediately I, what I knew or at least assumed I made a deliberate assumption. Okay, the keynote business, right? And I normally I travel all over the world, you know, literally every week, some some place with one of my children with me. We'll travel somewhere and go do an event. I was like, okay, that's over. And the choice I made in that moment was, it's not over now. I was like, that's over forever. And that's not because it really is, but I just thought it was so much better of a mental choice to say, look, what's important now is not waiting, not holding my breath. At that time, people were saying, oh, two weeks from now, three weeks, four weeks, school will be back. And I just didn't think so. I felt like this is going to be a long time, certainly months, maybe it's years. You know, this is just not going to be. And that was so liberating to be able to just go, what's important now, not what was important yesterday, not what was the old business model, what's important now? And it is it, that freed me to be able to just focus on what I could do something about in this environment. And it's just been, I mean, I, I sound so bragging, but, but it has literally been the most productive year of my adult life. Uh, we, we wrote completely this new book. We've launched this online academy. 
Uh, I mean, I think it's been the most amazing year for our children too, uh, although for them their context is different, so it feels so much longer for them. For me, it's been it's been harder for. I have four children, but uh, but for one or two of them, that I think they've been like, oh, definitely happy to have, you know, things be as they were before. Uh, but still, we've had a great culture at home, uh, and and so yes, it's not been as we expected. But if you come back to this question, it's it's powerful, and you can do something. What's important now? What's important now? That's a great way to end this episode, Greg. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time today, Alex. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. After Greg and I finished recording, he made some changes to his schedule so he could talk to me about where I was stuck in my own journey of becoming an essentialist once again. Since our conversation, I've gone back through and listened to this episode and made some changes, and I can tell you now that I'm doing more of what I want to do and less of what I don't want to do. It's been exceptionally freeing, and I encourage you to re-listen to this episode so that you can do the same thing for yourself. Greg, thank you again for being a guest and helping us all become essentialists. To pick up a copy of Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, and for links to the many resources we mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 087. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week. 